0: Welcome back to another episode of Box Score Sports. Thank you for tuning in. And here is episode 16 of the box score sports
1: podcast I can it whatever I do to my better is I walked school on my first day campus
0: the jump I can't have this went to the and start some magic ladies and gentlemen welcome back episode 16 thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of box To start it off this week, I'm going to start the same way I kind of ended last week. It was the second-to-last thing I talked about, and that's college basketball. Since I talked about what I talked about, things have changed. A first-time-ever occurrence happened in history of NCAA basketball. You had the top six teams lose in the same day. Number one, Gonzaga lost to St. Mary's. Number two, Arizona lost to Colorado. Number three, Auburn to Tennessee. Number four, Purdue to Michigan State. Number five, Kansas to Baylor. And number six, Kentucky to Arkansas. So you look at what the number, the top five were at this point. You had Gonzaga one, Arizona two. Auburn 3, Purdue 4, Kansas 5. That has since changed. There are now two new teams in the top five, and it's interesting. Despite their loss to St. Mary's, Gonzaga is still number one. Not a surprise there. They are consistently the best team in basketball right now, and to think that that was only their third loss after over 30 games is kind of crazy. Number two is still Arizona. They, too, only have three losses, so that's no surprise. At third, you now have Baylor, who before was not even in the top six. They are now number three after taking down number five, Kansas. At number four, you have Duke, who, in my personal opinion, should have been in the top five. And number five, you have Auburn, who was previously number three. So now your top five are Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, Duke, Auburn. Fun fact about Duke, this upcoming game against North Carolina will be Coach Krzyzewski's last game coaching the Duke Blue Devils. Briefly, I just want to touch on what an amazing career the man has had. He has meant a lot to the program and to college basketball in general. You look at what he did for the sport. I mean, not many coaches out there have done it. Even something as simple as how many times he's coached Team USA. And, you know, it sucks to see a guy like him have to leave after all this time. It only makes sense that he's going out playing his rival for all of these years. You look at the man's numbers on his career. He's been coaching for 41 years at Duke University with a whopping record of 1,097 wins and only 302 losses. That is unbelievable. I mean, a thousand, almost 1,100 wins, barely even 300 losses. The difference there is substantial. In his career, he's had five national championships, one in 91, 92, 01, 2010, and 2015. And then, as I mentioned, he also had coached the U.S. men's team. He got six gold medals doing so there. Congratulations, Coach Gay, to a fantastic career. I've had the honor of watching him the last couple of years. I have been alive for three of his five national championships, and I remember the last two, 2010 and 2015, and the legendary players that he's brought up through his program at Duke. Last night I was watching the Philadelphia 76ers play the New York Knicks, and J.J. Redick was one of the commentators analyzing the game. And the other analyst, I don't remember who it was, asked J.J., you know, they were briefly talking about it, J.J., what has Coach K meant to you? And J.J. had to, he paused for a moment. You know, he, you could tell that it was a, a genuine question that really had J.J. think about what the proper answer was. To ask somebody like that about something like that on the spot, you think about how many memories he probably has of a man as great as Coach K. And it was so hard to pick his favorite one. And somehow he did. It's great to see how much of an impact somebody like Coach K has had on all of these players over all these years. And how many of them go back to talk about how great of a person he is outside of basketball. And that's what makes somebody like Coach K as great as they are, is what they can do for players and people in general outside of the sport that they do coach. Coach K, congratulations to a more than successful career and best of luck with your life and your family and everything outside of that. You deserve a comfortable, relaxing retirement. Raise a glass to you, sir. Next up, I want to touch on the MVP race for the NBA. A lot has it's gone back and forth throughout the season here, and especially towards the end of the year here. There's been a lot of people that have been bouncing back and forth on the The top 5 and top 10 even list, if you will. Right now in the top of the spot, you have Joel Embiid. He's averaging 29.8 points per game, 11.1 rebounds, 4.4 assists, a steal, and a block and a half a game. I can understand why they would consider him at the top of the MVP race. Looking at stats, you would pick other people, but... The MVP race is not just about the statistical value of a player. It's also about what they offered for their team and how valuable they are to their team and where their team would be without that player. Next on the list, you have Nikola Jokic, 25.5 a game, 13.8 rebounds a game, 8 assists a game, 1.4 steals, and 0.7 blocks per game. You could argue that his stats are better. He's averaging only a couple points less, a couple more rebounds, multi- almost double the assists, about half the blocks, and more steals. You know, So it kind of balances out Giannis Antetokounmpo, averaging 29.4 points, 11.3 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, blo- 1.4 blocks. DeMar DeRozan, 28.3 po- points, 5.3 rebounds, 5.1 assists, steals and 0.3 blocks and then at number five you got Ja Morant 27.1 points 5.9 rebounds 6.7 assists 1.2 steals and 0.4 blocks I would say if we started at the middle of the season and went onward, John Morant would probably be in the number one spot. If you've been keeping up with basketball, that man has been having a ridiculous second half of the season, especially that last game just a couple nights ago. You saw the game winner he made and the dunk he had. and I mean, the dude is having an incredible second half of the season. Not that the first half wasn't good, but his second half push here is a lot more influential. A name that was in the top five but isn't anymore, Stephen Curry. I'm not saying I'm surprised that he fell out of the top five considering how well people like John Morant and DeMar and Giannis have been playing. But definitely deserves the top ten. So I would say six is a good spot considering what he's been able to do. I think Luka should be higher. Luka Doncic is at the number eight spot. You think about how important he is to the Dallas Mavericks and where they would be without him. On top of his statistical value, he's pretty close to averaging a triple-double. He's averaging 27.6 points a game, 9.2 rebounds, 8.9 assists, 1.2 steals, and a half of a block. So all he needs to do is average .1 more assists and .8 more rebounds, and he's averaging a triple-double. That's not something that happens too often, so I think he needs to be given a little more credit considering the Mavericks would be nothing without him. That's how I feel about that. Another person I'm really surprised is not even in the top 10 is LeBron James. Now, I understand that the Lakers have been looking everything but good lately. And you look at the fact that they just fell out of playoff contingency just this last week. But his numbers are still pretty impressive. And I think... At the, this point, the problem is that people have been seeing LeBron put up these numbers for so long, and they're almost used to it at this point, you know? It's nothing new, and it's kind of sad when you think about it. You almost want to sit back and, like, are you people not understanding what he's doing? You take away how bad the Lakers are, and you look at what he's offering and how much worse they would be without him? On top of his stat line, 28.9 points per game, 8 rebounds a game, 6.3 assists, 1.6 steals, 1 block, shooting 52% from the field. There are not many people in the league doing numbers like this. A lot of it does have an influence on how much of a value you are to the team. I think there's a little bit of misconception there because the Lakers aren't doing too great. But I think that the bigger part of the picture here is what would the Lakers be without LeBron? And I think that's the biggest problem that this MVP race seems to be missing out on is the Lakers would literally be a bottom five team in the league without LeBron James. I don't care what anyone says. Anthony Davis is literally made of paper. He gets hurt every week and it's something new every time like he needs to just sit out for a season and rehabilitate every single muscle and bone in his body until he's able to play a basketball game without getting injured then you look at people like Russell Westbrook who have been more than a disappointment compared to what they're usually putting up I'm not saying his numbers are bad but they sure aren't good either especially not what we're used to seeing him put up and his shooting percentages are god-awful They are literally horrible. I don't know how much LeBron is supposed to be able to do with what he's got on his team. So I think he needs to be cut a little slack. I think the Lakers' success is part of the reason that he's not a little higher on the MVP board. But at the same time, you got to look at the situation and the particular pieces of it all. If we're going just based on names on the roster, the Lakers should be much better than they are. But... It's deeper than that. You look at what each player is doing. I don't think Anthony Davis has played more than, like, 11 games this season, if even that. Russell Westbrook just has not lived up to his usual expectations and capabilities. The fact that Malik Monk has been the best guard on the team for, like, the last month or two is kind of sad. Good for Malik Monk, but sad for the Lakers. I mean, I just don't understand where they're going wrong. But looping back around, LeBron deserves a little more respect on his name right now, and he should definitely be in the top eight of the MVP list. That's just my opinion. Others may feel differently. But enough of that. Moving on to touch on a bit of what I talked about before, the playoff picture for the NBA now I know I was talking about how with the big trade with James Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers, I wasn't too ready for them to be considered a contender, but I think after his first couple of games with the team and his last his one last night being the first at home, he's proven that he fits in pretty well in their system and the team is still just as successful with him as they were without him, if not more. So I'm willing to say that Philadelphia is more than most definitely a contender in the East. Miami still at the top despite their loss to Milwaukee last night, which was a very close game and very fun to watch at the end there. Drew Holiday with the la- literal last second layup to seal the deal. Fantastic game. In the Eastern Conference, your playoff teams, you now have Miami at 1 with a record of 42-41-22, Chicago with a record of 39-23. Philadelphia with a record of 38 and 23, Milwaukee 38 and 25, Cleveland 36 and 26. That one is kind of surprising, but good for them. Boston 37 and 27, they should personally I think they'll finish the season in the top 4. Toronto at 34 and 27, Brooklyn at 32 and 31, and then just outside of the playoff picture has Charlotte with 31 and 33. Personally, I don't know whether or not Brooklyn or Charlotte are going to keep it in, but Kevin Durant is returning tonight for his first game. Hopefully, that changes the direction of Brooklyn, considering they haven't been too hot with James Harden being traded, Kevin Durant being injured, and Kyrie Irving playing who knows how many games with his situation he's got going on. So, I don't know about Brooklyn or Charlotte. It really depends on what their health situation is looking like. So that's where we're looking there. Like I said before, I definitely think Boston will find their way up into the top four. No disrespect to Chicago, but I think they're going to fall out of the top four. And I think Boston is going to climb up to the top four. Milwaukee's going to climb up to three. Philly's going to climb up to one. And Miami's going to fall to two. And if Kevin Durant stays healthy and Kyrie can play as often as he needs to, Brooklyn could be a real close number five there. You think about how many games back they are compared to Cleveland and Toronto. They're only a handful of games behind, and all it's going to take is a hot streak out of Kevin Durant and Kyrie to bring them right back into the contention. So I'm very curious to see how the next couple of weeks go with the Eastern Conference. Heading over to the Western Conference, looking at what they got going on there, you still have Phoenix at number one despite losing Chris Paul. I know it's been only about a week or so since he's been out, but the fact that they've been able to maintain that number one spot while him being out is impressive and, I think, says a lot about the team and almost a correction to what I said last week about Chris Paul being their best player. If the team is able to succeed without him, is he really their best player? Not saying they don't have other good players as well. Uh, In second, you still have Golden State. Third is Memphis. Fourth is Utah. Dallas is at 5, Denver 6, Minnesota 7, and the Clippers at 8. There's no close team in the ninth seed just outside of playoffs. Lakers are 27-34. and They're at the number 9 seed, and I don't see them finding their way into playoff contention this year considering they are almost five games behind the Clippers who they just lost to. So don't see that working out for the Lakers and Bron Bron this year. Going back to the top four here. I personally think Memphis will overtake Golden State. John Morant is on a hot streak of hot streaks. And Klay Thompson, he's been in and out of a couple games here and there for Golden State. And Draymond Green is still out, but he did start practicing, so that could be good news for them. And from there, I would say that fighting to get that fourth spot, Denver and Dallas are pretty neck and neck. They're only a game apart. So that should be really interesting. They both both have very interesting situations going on between their star players and what their bench players are bringing to the table or even just their quiet uh, starters. For example, you look at the 76ers. They have Tyrese Maxey who's been having an incredible season. But he's not the player you think of when you think about the Philadelphia 76ers. So that's what I mean there. So looking at the playoff picture here, folks, I mean, it it's looking like it's going to come out and be a real good set of games in the playoffs. I mean, it's clear that the Western Conference is the superior conference right now. They have three teams with over 40 wins, and my uh, Eastern only has one. It's very interesting, and I'm very excited to see what could come to be in the couple of weeks closing into the playoffs here. And I think the playoffs are going to be so fun to watch and super exciting. And I can't wait to see where they go, considering the way the season's gone so far. Other than that, you guys, there's really not too much going on in sports this week. I really wanted to touch on the college basketball situation with the teams losing there. And I feel like the NBA, now that we're past the All-Star break, is really starting to pick up the pace here and a lot more intriguing stuff going on on that end. I know that lately they've been a lot of shorter episodes, but I've come to find that people are more than likely to listen to a 20-minute episode than an hour-and-a-half episode, and I find it is more convenient for people. They can listen to it on their way to work, on the way home from work, doing laundry, cooking, cooking on a short leisurely time, anything like that. I just feel like these shorter episodes are much more convenient. So I think I'm going to stick to the context that I got going here with those episodes rather than recording something longer than that. And let me know how you guys feel about that. Let me know if you think anything should change or if I should just keep it the way it is and everything's rolling smooth. Other than that, we're wrapping it up. That's episode 16 coming at you. Remember to stay in touch, reach out on socials, share this with your loved ones, your friends, your family. Touch it as far as the eye can see. Just trying to spread the brand and show love to everybody throughout the world. And I say, world, with Box Score Sports. Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode. I will see you next week. Peace out.
1: I like it. A little song we can ride into, me and bro with a vibe or two. I fly like the Emirates, try to be smooth when I'm talking my shit, but my flow is so ignorant. Niggas not getting it like my entendres. I can stack it and slow and let double the speed of this shit, I can triple it. Whatever I do to my masterpiece, better me niggas is feeling it. I walked into school on my first day on campus, knew from the jump I can't have this. Went to the stew and start cooking some magic. I said, I cannot be average. I wasted so much of my time in class and then I started playing that Madden. Imagine I started my grind three years ago, who would it know what could happen? Surrounded myself with people who was negative And they played a distraction I cut them off out of my life so quick Been slowly rising by the fraction I'm growing my followers, gaining some traction Ambience walking Manhattan